I'm gonna try not to geek out. Do it. Again, I never know when to come in, if it should be after the beat plays, after the intro plays or whatever. But yo, peace. What's up? I am Mega. This is the Mega Late Show. I'm here with Late. Peace, Late. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to episode episode 32 of the Mega Late Show, Tokyo's number one hip-hop and dope culture podcast, consistently bringing you dope artists, visiting artists from Tokyo. And uh, today we have a very special guest. This is a person who... In my opinion, and I think it is also a fact, is a legendary figure in the hip-hop community, an icon. Uh, I'm most familiar with him from his work in hip-hop, spanning all the way back into the early 90s. And uh, he's worked with, oh, first let me say he's from Crown Heights, Brooklyn. So Brooklyn is in the house. Peace, peace. Uh, he's worked with, let me let me just rifle off a couple people that he's worked with so, so y'all know. Uh, Gene Gray, uh, Pumpkinhead, rest in peace. Uh, Company Flow, all the cats from Fondalum. All the cats from Ruckus, J Live, Mr. Complex, Quali, uh, Guru, rest in peace. Good friends with uh, Bobito from Stretch and Bobito, uh, Natural Elements, Sadat X, Ed OG, so many house artists. He's also very uh, famous these days for his work with Spike Lee in BK Loves MJ. Also, his event, Wonderful, which is uh, a, an event centered around the great and legendary Stevie Wonder, which happens consistently. And um, man, you guys heard me a couple weeks ago talking about the 20th anniversary of Sound Bombing and how dope that that album was, and it's 20 years since then. He's also a beat maker off of that. One of uh, Tokyo's most longest touring DJs, I think. He's been coming here consistently for, I think, over 20 years. This is a guy who uh, I think is criminally underrated with his production. Uh, I think he's one of the the best cats from the 90s. I put him up there with uh, Sean J. Period, El Producto, uh, Super Dave West, all these cats, man. So I'm going to try my best not to geek out. Hold on, you... You didn't write an intro? Is that no, 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 said? no. I'm just, I'm just kind of. I've, I've got, I've got my my show notes here with some things so I don't mess it up. But I didn't write an intro. I just wanted to freestyle it for the culture. Um, so yeah, this this cat man, he was so influenced, uh, influential for me in my adolescence when I was first coming into, uh, you know, my b boy fucking styles and everything like this. And I'm we we are here with the legendary iconic DJ Spinner. Hey. Oh man. And, and I got to say that um, I, I I basically just posted on Twitter. I was like, yo, um, I'm just going to put it out into the universe. Next time DJ Spinner comes to Japan, I would like to interview him. And of course, I, I tagged him in it. You know, I put the at sign. But he was like, yo, just email me and, and we'll see what we can work it out. And then after that, Late took the reins and he's been working with um, a promoter out here that's bringing you out consistently, uh, Yasushi. So thank you, Yasushi, for coming through. Yay. I don't have the 404 with the applause drop. But word, DJ Spinner, thank you so much, man. My pleasure. Word, I think we're gonna be playing a lot of DJ Spinner beats as almost well on this, uh, almost exclusively. So yeah, so um, for the cast that don't know, man, he's he's a person who's been the culture, shaped the culture for many years, and recently you've been doing a lot of. Uh, DJ events that are centered around world music, black music, uh, traveling the globe, playing all types of music as well. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> as I said, he's been coming out here consistently for probably since, 20 years. Since the uh, first time I came out was in 97 with Jigmasters. Word. Shout yeah. out to uh, Krim. Yep. Since, since two, uh, 97. So um, after that, I think the first official spinner tour was 2000. And it's been consistently every year. Yeah, since 2000. Yep. La last year you did Soul Camp? 
Yes, that's right. Yep. I really wanted to check that out, man. Um, our guy John Robinson was telling us about it, and uh, he was saying this is Dot X, and Brand Nubian was coming out, and I really wanted to talk to them as well, yeah, but we didn't get around too. to it. Daylight yeah, it was a huge was event. Crazy. Yeah, that, that must have—it's got to be a huge crowd. Is that one of the bit larger crowds you played for? One of them, yeah, for Word. sure. Yeah. All right. All right. So, um, yo, late. Should we take a commercial break and then come back in for the news? Yes, bust it. Yo, this episode and every episode is brought to you in part by Calcombs.com. Calcombs.com. Make sure to check out Calcombs.com for his newest album, his apparel. I think he's coming out with a spring collection soon. And, and stay tuned for his new material that should be dropping sometime next month in May. And we will definitely let you know about that and maybe even get Cal to come by the show and give us a little bit of details about the damn maybe thing. Maybe we might be even hosting his release party. Maybe we will do that. that. You never know what the Megalacia is going to do. But yo, if you go to Calcombs.com and order any Anything that totals over $30 or 3,000 yen. Did you hear that little drunk slur? You might be able to get 25% off if you use the promo code Mega, Mega Late, Late Show. Show. No spaces. What did what did uh, Steve say? Don't space that bitch up. No spaces. <laughs> no caps. All together. Mega Late Show. Also, um, you may have noticed that we have a new logo design. Definitely check out our guy KeenWaukeen.com. He did all the artwork, and he's also on episode something or other. And uh, Nine, maybe. Yeah. So that's Keen. K E E N. W-A-K-E-E-N.com. Don't he does space art that bitch design. up. Don't space that bitch up. up. But yo, hit him up on Instagram also. Calcombs.com. KeenWaukeen.com. Make a Wonderful. And we're back. Uh, all right, so... DJ Spinner, this is the weather report, or the, excuse me, the, the news segment of the podcast where we talk about some current event news. Now, we decided we didn't want to talk about a couple things. And so really the only news that, that I have right now is Inner City Griots is turning 25 years old, probably today or yesterday. Don't know what that is. Freestyle Fellowship, Micah 9, Peace, Self Jupiter, AC Alone. They were a seminal group of independent hip-hop makers coming out of the good life cafe and project blowed in the early 2000 uh, or excuse me early 90s and uh their style was very different than some of the conventional uh boom bap aesthetics that were happening on the east coast i would probably most closely relate the good life to like the new yorican cafe where there was just a a, a flourishing of styles that came from there and a really different uh, approach to rapping more like a poetry yeah, approach left, to left it. of center. Yeah, absolutely. Experimental. Yeah. So, Freelts is the first album. Uh, no. Uh, no, it's not. They came out with uh. No, yeah, Griots is the first album. Yeah, but but yeah, I I didn't pick up on it till later. You know, I'm only 35, so I was like 10 years old when it came out. I didn't hear about it until a couple years later. But uh, wildly influential. They've got tracks on there that are clearly influencing. Bone Thugs and Harmony, like verses, straight up sound like Bone Thugs and Harmony verses, and um, you know, just just really dope cats. Are, are were you familiar with them uh, back in the '90s? Um, to some degree, you know, uh, some some of the records that were more popularly known was like Proof Is in the Pudding, you know, that was kind of big on the East Coast a little bit. Cornbread, maybe. A little bit, a little, a little bit, you know. Um, I actually had an opportunity at one point to remix an AC Alone record. But it didn't. Uh, it didn't pan out in the end. Like I did, it submitted it, and for whatever reason, it didn't. It didn't come out. That's when he was signed to Capital, Capital okay. Records. 
Um, yeah, but you know, it was definitely a super underground movement. Yeah, you know, and I don't really think it impacted New York as much as it probably could have or should have, because we had so much going on. Right. Those times. You know? I mean, the 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 amount of talent that was kind of bubbling under under the the radar of mainstream hip hop was was crazy at the time. I can't. I mean, you could probably name fifty MCs who. In the 90s, they were just phenomenal stylists, dope MCs over dope beats, and who knows what they're doing nowadays. Like, you know, a few of them made it out, like LP, for example. He's been consistently doing his thing, and, uh, you know, but, but yeah. Micah 9, Micah 9 is actually on Ava DuVernay's, uh, a, a track um, from, from this album is on Ava DuVernay's new, uh, new movie. What's it called? Wrinkle in Time? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Park Bench People is, is, is on that. On that joint It's interesting it's, yeah. it's funny how people from that era You know Were able to Progress and Do other things right. still, re- still st- Stay relevant Right You know Beyond the underground Scene You know We had to Find ways to Survive I guess Right I mean You you yourself Like uh, You know I had the first joint uh, Infectious Right yeah, you're beyond real. This this is one of my favorite jokes. This is probably the first track I heard by you, by the way. Yeah, this uh, is an early one. This is uh, the, the remix, the Beyond yeah. Real remix. Second, okay. The second 12-inch we put out independently. I got this on, like, back in the day, you know, we was kids, we was just dubbing tapes, and so I would get a tape with somebody's hand style, and it was like Jig Masters, and I was like, oh, shit, this is dope. Like, what is this? Where does it come from? It was, we didn't have the internet back then like that to get, you know, the information. It was a big tape trade scene, so... This is one of the first ones I got off of that, but but back to back to Inner City Griots. Um, Mike and I was also just on Talib Kweli's new album too, Radio Silence. You got a track on there. Ah, it's interesting. All, it's all full circle, gotta, man. Gotta go back and check that. It's a pretty. It, it's a. It's the title track of the album too, Radio Silence, featuring Mike and I. And to me, it was crazy because you know, being on the West Coast, I was privy to a lot more information about west coast cats and east coast cats and micah nine he would talk about how he was on the east coast like living with quali and telling us all about that scene and how it was bubbling up back then so word inner city griot y'all dope should we get into a temperature check let's bust it so um here's a question that we ask pretty much all the guests that come in uh at least recently you've been coming here for a long time uh if you had to rank them like marry fuck kill one two three Kambini's, 7-Eleven, Family Mart, Lawson's. Wow. Um, I, that's a good question. I, you know, I never really paid attention until my boy Yasushi just now, actually, no, uh, his partner in Osaka, um, you know, after a gig on this run, we had a choice to go to uh, either uh, Lawson's or Family Mart, and I think we picked Family Mart over over Lawson's. And he he kind of explained to me that it was, you know, a little better in terms of se- in terms of selection. But I, yeah. you know, it's foreign to me. Debatable. So it's debatable. <laughs> debatable. I, yeah, I I never really paid too much attention to it. You know what I mean? Seven Elevens. I don't really haven't seen. I haven't hit too many of those. It's usually uh, Lawson's that I you know. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a family mart man myself. Like, I don't know. I'm not going to get into any of the details. That's just a question. Word, word. Yeah, off the, off the record, I'd like to know what what the difference is. I'm curious myself. I think I think there's a lot of differences. 
quality, yeah. like a, a serene sense of happiness S- when you walk into the store. Yeah. Yeah, just Ambiance. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the chicken start, seasoning. I got to start paying attention to stuff like that. I'm going to check that out. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's easy to write them off because they're so convenient that you just go in there, grab whatever you're looking for, and then bounce out without paying too close attention. But, right. but, it's but the, yeah, I people with, definitely have their favorites. Yeah. Absolutely. I, yeah. So we, we asked that and I figured since you've been out here like, a, you know, a million times, you might you might have some input on that late. Uh, you want to bust off a question? Yeah. Uh, kind of going off of the freestyle fellowship question. Uh, Spinner, if you were on a desert island and you could only have albums of two kinds or one kind out of these two, which one would you choose? Duos or trios? Or are we saying groups now? Might as well just go with groups. Groups? Like duos or groups? Like well, a duo is kind of a group, isn't it? <laughs> I think, yeah. You know, I mean, it also depends. Is it like MC duo? Is it like EPMD with, yeah, not, with DJ Scratch? Not, or is it like Rockem and the, Eric the B? DJ into it this time. Just okay. Like, so Basically, two, so it should, like it should be a, a duo or trio question. Okay, so so, so one rapper versus two no, rappers. Two, or three. two two rappers versus three rappers. Right, that's the question. Wow, two rappers or three? Well, immediately when I think of groups that have lasted and you know stood the test of time and made classic records, I think of like Tribe. I think of Organized Confusion. Um. I mean, but then we have Nas, <laughs> so it's kind of hard. But you know, I, I, I don't know. That's that's a tricky question. Um, and if we're narrowing it down to just hip hop, the hip hop genre, um, I'd, I'd probably go with probably go with duos. Okay. Yeah. Go with duos. What about um, Prince's discography on an island or Michael Jackson's? Jeez. I get asked this question a lot because the other thing you, you didn't mention is uh, I'm famous for doing Michael Jackson and Prince parties. Oh, the versus, yeah, the versus the, joint. The Soul Slam parties. Um, been doing that for a long time as well. And I get asked this question a lot. And it's, it's really more like, who do I prefer? And it's hard to say that because they're different. You know, they're, Absolutely. Um, I'd say... Prince is more eccentric. I think I haven't fully understood his body of work from a lyrical standpoint. Um, And if I was stranded on an island with just Prince music, I think I'd be studying for very, until infinity, because his cat, he had, he he made more albums. He had way more output. yeah, and he was producing more, right? His yeah. just his bot, his catalog is and and more um, eccentric as well. So you could really study. Time that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot to break down. Yeah. You know, a lot of decoding of his material. Um, but as far as like Michael goes, his music really generally makes me very happy. <laughs> that's that's what I'm thinking about the desert island too. Like you know, I'll put on off the wall and and talk to a soccer ball. Oh, volleyball with my hand on it, you know what yeah, I mean? And get through know, the day. Like his, his, and you know, I, Michael himself, I've grown up with him since the early 70s. Like he, his music literally raised me. Prince, I didn't really understand as a kid, 
you know, I, I, I enjoyed certain songs, like I Want to Be Your Lover and the Purple Rain soundtrack. But when it came to like Dirty Mind and certain deeper album cuts, I was, he was just sexually advanced for yeah. a nine, ten year old kid. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I didn't really understand <laughs> I, I him. So. Yeah, okay, <laughs> right. yeah, I mean, you know, I didn't really fully get him until I was in my late teens and early 20s. Um, well, Michael is like with the Jackson 5. Every kid wanted to be Michael. Right. Everybody, every every kid looked up to him. He was like the superhero. Yeah. So, wow, it's that's really that's a, a tricky question. It's a tricky question. Yo, so, has I, I know Stevie Wonder has has contacted you about the wonderful event. We're friends. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I heard a story where it's like, um, right after his his son was born, he contacted you. Well, no, the story or, really went what he. During one of the parties, one of the events in New York, might have been like number six. Um, his daughter came, Aisha. She attended the event and called him while the party was happening. And I spoke to him. She put up, she put him on the phone, you know, in the cell. And he was like, "I'm in the hospital. My wife is about to give birth. I'm going to call you back." What? So he calls back right after his child was born and so spoke to the crowd like i put the the uh mic to the to the cell phone and you you know the crowd went silent you, you could hear a pin drive it was a thousand people in the room and he spoke to the audience and you know he basically said you know my wife just gave birth and he just he had just spoken to mandela who named his son Gave him his first name, gave him, you know, Mandela's first name, which is Manla. Manla, right? So it was an emotional thing. Wow. You could, you got, you actually kind of heard him come get teary eyed. Wow. Um, and meanwhile, that's happening. You have this crazy party that he had been hearing about for a while, but to get the direct commentary from his daughter, like, you have to see this thing. This is insane. Like, People are going crazy and singing at the top of their lungs to your music. It was it was definitely more of a, a direct connection at that point, you know, because it's coming through his daughter. So he thanked me. He thanked the crowd, and it was it was amazing, man. That's crazy. That was crazy. You're like intertwined with his life in such a moment. Yeah, That's really incredible. And what's bugged out for me is, you know, um, years later. Um, you know, we've had we've had a lot of, you know, direct, um, you know, I've done shows with him, opened up events for him and stuff like that. And he invited me to L.A. to hang out one week. And um, I got in the, the SUV with his driver and sitting in the seat next to me was Manla as a 11 year old kid. What? Well, I think he was nine at the time or something like that. So I got to Surreal. meet. So I got to meet the kid that was born during your during celebration. Yeah, during my celebration for for Stevie. Wow, that is incredible. <laughs> it, came, it came full circle. So I was like, ah, oh, you. Stevie Wonder just seemed. He seems like such a cool cat, so down to earth, and just about people of the culture. Like, I mean, he was on Common's last album, even too. Now Prince, on the other hand, how does he feel about Michael versus okay, Prince? Okay, so I so I met him. Has he been to one of the events? Um, he he he. You know, I'm not really sure if he came to a Soul Slam event in L.A. I think he did because I'm actually really friend, good friends with Rashida, DJ Rashida, who was Prince's former DJ. 
Um, and she told me that he's been to a Soul Slam, but it could have been one of those situations where he crept in and nobody saw him and left. But he actually came to a Stevie party. He came to one of the wonderful parties in L.A. Now, that, that I know that for a fact because I was trying to get to him. And by the time I got to him, he was out the back door. I hear he does that a lot. Yeah, so, you know, um, he knew about it. So when I met him, it wasn't at any of the events. It was at another party uh, uh, deep in L.A. with Marcus Wyatt. He had an anniversary party. And he approached me. Rashida introduced me to him. And the first thing he says to me was... um, why does it have to be verses? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yo, was he wild spicy? Like, yeah, I, I, I wash him every uh, any day of the week. Well, you know, was was Michael already pat? Had he already passed? Uh, yes. Okay. No way. You know what? Uh, yeah, he was. Okay. Because this was 2011. So, um, when did Michael pass? 2009. 2009. So, um, I was like, you know, it's not really a versus. It's really a celebration. It's not a competition. We're just, you know, it's just a branding thing. Right. So he said, okay. Then he walked away. And this event that was happening was um, a party that I was playing with uh, Garth Trinidad, who's a local um, tastemaker DJ in L.A., um, he had a radio, has a radio show, and you know people know who he is. He's pretty popular, and Rich Medina as as well was on this bill. Shout out to Rich Medina. Um, shout out to the homie Rich. So, um, at the time when when uh, Prince and I was speaking, Garth was on the set. He was you know DJing at the time. So Prince came back to me maybe like ten minutes later. And sarcastically, he's like, what are you doing later this year? You know, what is, about June or July, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know why. You want to try to have something? He said, yeah, I want to do a party. I want to do a party with you, DJ Spinner, versus Garth Trinidad. <laughs> <laughs> he tried to put you on his spot. Like, oh, I see what you're saying. But, bless it, but, but I was like... I will roast Garth Trinidad. <laughs> that Brooklyn. And he, yeah, and he gave me this, you know, one of those looks like, no, you did not say that to yeah. me and walked away. Oh, but it was man. cool, though. It was, it was kind of cool because I kind of let him know, like, two things, you know, like, yeah, it's a versus party, but if you're confident enough about your own music, then you should right. know that you're rocking. You're about yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. And the second thing is, oh, you're not f- going to try to f- play me. Like, yeah. It's, you know, I don't care if you're Prince. Yeah. yeah you're God and This everything, is a common theme amongst cats from Brooklyn, <laughs> man. The skin is too thick. It's, it's, it's a common theme <laughs> amongst Prince trying to play people. Oh, yeah. Hell, people. yeah. But no, that's dope, man. That's really incredible. Yeah. Actually, this... Uh, this Thank you for sharing that story with us, man. That's like I had no idea. That's incredible. Um, speaking speaking of Prince coming into places and 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 just immediately vamping out, I heard a story about um, him going to a, a an atmosphere show, Slug from Minneapolis oh, atmosphere really? wow, show, that's crazy. and he got on the stage for a minute and then vamped out immediately. And, and I think I heard about that. Slug, it, you know, it blew his mind because you know that Minneapolis, you know, like they're all about Prince. And so um, what what it what it comes down to is like. Um, I was having a Twitter exchange with um, Sage Francis, shout out to Sage Francis, and R.A. the Rugged Man. And what happened was Slug posted about, um, he posted about J. Cole getting a lot of hate 
right from people saying that it was like too emo it's like something about j cole is just not like people attack him for being who he is right. and slug was saying when i was coming up you know the music i was making people were calling it like emo rap and and not hip-hop like that and was getting a lot of hate sage francis said I don't remember it that way. You know, I remember everybody embracing Slug and being down for him since, you know, 99 or, you know, the Dino Spectrum and all those eras. And R.A. was like, I don't remember it like that. And I, I, I posted before R.A. and I was like, I don't remember it like that either. I remember it was tremendously difficult to get a lot of my fondalum ruckus homies like the east coast boom bap co-flow type of homies to listen to slug because they just felt like it didn't have like an edge it was like too emotional right you know uh, since you were around during that era did you did you notice any of that type of kind of distancing from the east coast i want to say underground independent artists and west coast or emo type of well i rap? think i think you know new york at that time, we were so endured to our boom bap and our lyrical aesthetics. Um, it, I don't think we turned our, no, our nose up to anything, no matter where it was, if it was in alliance with what we were doing. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, we had uh, Safir. We had, you know, we had Junction, we yeah. had cats. Oh, what's my other homie? Um, Damn, the Souls of Mischief cats was Souls in New York. Of course, Souls of Mischief. Of course, you know, even Far Side to, to a certain extent. Um, but yeah, it didn't really matter where you were from, unless uh, uh, you know, if you if you fell in line with beats and rhymes, and you know, lyricism, and that's really what mattered to us on the on yeah. the East. If you if you came a little left of center, then you know, it was a little hard to, to jump on Cat's Radar, but at the same time, you did have a subculture within the New York East Coast scene that appreciated that stuff too. Like my man Scam, for example. Yeah. Um, you know, he he's, he's a rock with Eminem. Yeah, that's Scam, I haven't right? heard that name. Yeah, so that's so that's Crim's that's Crim's cousin. You know, a lot of people don't know that, but he's a he's a. Uh, I didn't know that. He was a skateboard kid. Okay. So he was always into alternate, alternate, you know, hip hop. Yeah. You know, it was never really like, you know, all about the, you know, the street, blah 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 right. blah. He was, he's a rock dude. You know what I'm saying? Um, and you can see that in his art as well. A lot of people don't know that he designed the Beats, Rhymes, and Life cover. Scam. Yes, he did the jacket for that. Oh wow! And he did Eminem's. One of Eminem's early logos, and he's a, he's a, he's an incredible graphic designer, graphic artist. Yo, did he do the um, the vinyl cover for uh, what was that that joint that they had? Uh, five Five Star Generals, five the Eminem star. joint. Is he on that? Because Scam is Eminem on was, that. Yeah, Eminem was, was rocking with Scam back then, right? Yeah, the Scam is produced? on that record. Yeah, Scam is yeah, on that record. Right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. He did he? I, I remember I saw like a a black and white cover. For that somewhere in the CD store or something, I feel like I remember it. Maybe I'm thinking like El Fudge or something, but you probably thinking the El Fudge. Okay, and I think I think he did do that El Fudge record. Okay. Um, what if? What's up with Scam? Are you still cool with him? Yeah, of course. It's like my little. I haven't, bro, I haven't little heard bro. anything about him. In Yo, that's such a. a it just random. came back to me when he 
Well, yeah. All yeah, I know is little, the green and gold track. Yeah. That's, that's my little bro. That's, that's my little bro. Wow, yeah, man. that's family right there. I guess that brings me to my next question, and this will be the last question for uh, the temperature check, maybe. Um, maybe one more. Maybe one more. Um, of all of all the cats who were bubbling in the early, uh, in the in the mid to late '90s, and even the early 2000s, who was an artist who you really thought could have a long, prosperous career that kind of didn't, like? Shabam Sadiq is is not. I don't hear about him too much anymore. Like Mr. Complex is, like a lot of these cats. Uh, Jay Treads, you know, Breezy Brew and the Juggernauts. A lot of these cats are just. You know, I'll take it back a little further. One of the dudes that is that I that I would kind of say uh, spearheaded the whole movement early was Mr. Voodoo. With lyric, when he came out with lyrical tactics, that was like some other. Ish, like we thought he was the dude. This the is the one to blow. This is like early Fondalum. This is before, you know, this is like '95, you know, '96, you know, and he was kind of ahead of everyone um, in terms of like record sales and putting out incredible records, you know, really early and setting off the whole Natural Elements crew. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, we have a few people like Gene Gray. I think Gene Gray's new and, Qu- and Quelle Chris's new album is ridiculous. Like, I think it's one of my favorites this year. Easy. Yeah, but I Easy. think she's someone that should be way bigger than than what she is. You know, I heard Joe Budden mention her when he was talking about female MCs the other day. He was like, "Yo, but like Cardi B and and Nicki Minaj, I'm I'm comparing them women to women. But when I talk about Gene Gray." I'm to, I compare her to to the men in Rhapsody. I compare her to the men. Like Jean Grey's been of, nice since, bruh. Attack of the attacking, th- like since ever. I think it's safe to say, and I'm sure they would agree with this, that when it comes to to gender and and rap, um, they'd probably prefer to just be considered dope. Period. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like no matter what. Well, you put with, her up against everybody, anybody. Yeah, she she will take dudes out. Yeah. <laughs> She'll put a lot of dudes' heads out. And you know who else too? I think is is ridiculous. But you know, for for various reasons, she never she never really got the dude. Bahamadia. Well, Bahamadia is dope. <laughs> I'm just no, throwing Ty Phoenix. Okay. Yes, I was just was, about to say you worked with two of some of my favorite. Female MCs. I'm doing air quotes. Female MCs. Apani B. Apani B. Fly as well. Yeah. And Ty Phoenix. And Ty Phoenix. Shout out to Apani B. Monsters. Both of them. I didn't mention one in my intro. Polyrhythmatics either, man. Jignas is polyrhythmatics. DJ Spin. I'm, I, I was trying to tell the guys like I had a lot of nervous energy today because I see you as one of those superheroes. Like if Gene Gray was here, I'll be geeking out just the same way because you are such a, a like an important figure in in my adolescence and growing into yeah. the hip hop head i am today all of my ethics and the integrity that i think about the art and the culture it's all on your back and all of these people's backs man and when i Thank was you, 14 man. years old b-boy and i was like yo this radio shit is out like i'm fucking just gonna follow it underground with all these dope artists after the telecommunications act and it's been different man, man. that was such an era <laughs> sometimes you know even doing this show right now it's kind of jogging my memory to how things were back then and, and sometimes I, I look back and it almost feels like that era never existed in the climate of hip-hop the way things are right yeah. now that's an era that of hip-hop that's almost written out yeah mm-hmm. if you didn't make it out like the talibs and the most defs 
you know very few you it's almost like a forgotten piece of hip-hop history because you know everything now is all about numbers and visibility and marketability and the internet blah 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 and all of these records happened at a t- and impacted so many people but there was it didn't go beyond the scenes right, right. And, and and underground radio shows you know barely any videos college radio stations college radio I'm a little forever. bit younger than mega and I consider myself like knowledgeable on not just mainstream but like other things like uh, you know whatever but like the names Mega says sometimes I'm like yeah I've seen those names on like featured like you know Little Brother featuring or you know whoever whoever featuring I've seen like yeah I I'm familiar with those names but like I don't really know them and it's like you said they're just kind of like it just there's like an asterisk by their yeah, name and like you really yeah. had to be a part of that culture it was such a it was such a strong subculture that like if you weren't a part of that zeitgeist you kind of just it it, it disappeared it was like it was written out of of hip-hop history by all of the publications and everything just forgetting about it i mean jig masses you guys were in the source magazine unsigned hype yep back in the day yep. and it's the like biggie issue the <laughs> word word can you plug me back in i think i unplugged my headphones a little bit but yeah you guys were in unsigned hype back but you know once the money got into it things took a different turn and man, man. beyond real when we dropped that single that's when i started noticing um, the, the change, you know, when Puff and Bad Boy started getting really big, that's when things really started to change and affect the music industry on a whole. But Flex, Funkmaster Flex, at that time was still breaking underground records, and he played Beyond Real. He was dropping bombs on that joint for like for like a week. Yeah. So we, it was like a fruitful situation to know that we put, because you know we almost got signed, we almost had several deals over the years, and after all the blood, sweat, and tears, we were like, you know, we, we just need to put our own records out, because by the time we did, we had started making demos in '91, '92, '93, '94, '95, almost got signed, it was this close. It fell apart with uh, East West Electro Records. We put out our first record. Flex plays it, drops bombs. You know, we we sent. I think we might have sold like five to ten thousand copies just in Japan alone. You know what I mean? And then we got to Japan, did a tour. So things were on a you know looking up. But then the trajectory of hip hop in the, the industry changed. By ninety nine, two thousand, it was like haywire. It was like. Yeah. What are we gonna do? <laughs> even even the cats and the labels who are able to, um, you know, make money for independent artists and putting it out through, you know, distribution. Right after that, Napster took off. Yeah. And all of the indie artists, they were able to have more reach. More people were hearing the music, but they weren't able to monetize it in any really lucrative way. And yep. hip hop's been, but that whole era on this show, like, I guess you could consider me. We have another another guest host who, who's with us, and he's like a kind of more of a, a popular rap type of guy he grew up on like radio hip-hop but i guess on the podcast i'm kind of the the like the true school head the old school right. like i'm always talking about the four elements you're, you're and, the you keep know. it realer yeah yeah <laughs> as, as brooklyn terry would say i'm not i'm not an old head i'm a true head like i come from the four element culture you know like i have my b-boy name still right. and 
my wife is a B girl and I've, I've focused my life on that. So it, it's it's interesting to me to see the the dichotomy of of music now. Do you think that like you just released uh, for the first time? From what I understand, you just put Infectious for digital release now. Now it's on streaming platforms and people can listen to you and Crim's uh, debut album, yes. right? Uh, Infectious, Jigmas's Infectious for our listeners. Peep that. Do you think that like the culture now is more open to listening to Jigmas's than it was 10, 15 years ago? Well, yeah, um, I think the, the youth seems to go back to this era a little bit more. Yeah, well, that's what I was about to say. I think it's um, it evolved into a younger curiosity. You know what I mean? Like, there's a generation, like... Late. Late. You know what I mean? Like, if he didn't live that period, now he can go back and explore all these artists that were doing it back then. You know, if they make their music available figure out what you missed um and that was the reason why i put it up for you know for people to check it out because we couldn't get it anywhere yeah. i mean that's really true I've like never i feel seen like it on vinyl like uh like mega i feel kind of grew up in the culture and i kind of like i started with the music and then from the music i kind of went backwards into all the other parts of it so i had to start from like the radio stuff to like Oh, but who's this on right. this track? Or oh, this goes back to this, or this is sampling what? What's yeah. this? All this other stuff. So I had to like dig. I was more like studying it, like right. you know. And I think that's through scrolls or something. And like that's that. what's dope about it because if you really appreciate hip hop and and what it's really about, you're gonna want to learn about all of that. Yeah. You know, it's not. You're gonna realize. Wait a minute. Okay, you have these five artists that are shining right now, above ground. Where who inspired them? Where you know where did they get their start? What was happening you know fifteen twenty years ago um, when they were just getting their feet wet? It didn't just start with these guys. Right. Then you get you just keep going deeper into the to the rabbit hole, and yeah. then you start you know if you figure out there was a whole underworld that yeah. you missed out on. Right. Had to, yeah, you had to be a part of it. You know, like Dallinger were and I were talking about like this era and it was like you were at that show it was like I think I went to the one like right after that and it was like we were deeply embedded in it but it, these kids they, they have no idea but like for example Chance the Rapper one of the, the biggest artists out right now one of his biggest influences Freestyle Fellowship he said when he heard them they were like what they do with rhythm in their voice it was just so different to him and that's amazing and to me when, when you dope. can when you can go back and you can listen to artists like I, I know I said it before and I wasn't being hyperbolic you, Sean J. Period, uh, Super Dave, there is a group of like producers who were bubbling during that that era of the '90s. Who I think that if you if you if Source Magazine was to do the top the top 50 producers of, of all time, your, your name probably wouldn't be mentioned. Probably and I think not. that that yeah. and I think that that is a, to the detriment of the journalists who just weren't around at that era. They don't realize how. Your sound was so unique, and people were going to you like, "What? How is it so clean for this era? Like doing it out of a, you know?" Like, Yo, before you really put me on, like I really didn't know. I was like, "Oh, he produced Watch D's," 
You know how many times I've listened to Watch These? I've listened to that track so Bruh, many times. It's crazy. <laughs> I love that track. And I was Thank like, you. oh, he worked with Little Brother? That's him on Intergalactic? So, oh, okay. That's what's right. up. Man, again, yo, <laughs> I, I feel like, yo, I wish, I wish I could talk to you for 500 hours, you know. But, um, Late, should we go ahead and take a little bit of a commercial break and then go into the weather report? Are we going to do the weather report? I mean, uh, or conversation. Do you want to just go into it? I don't. I don't care. I, I did. I did want to play. It. All right, let's just or, no commercial break. Yeah, just bust. I, I just do want to play just a track, go. and I do want to talk to DJ Spinner about a track, and and play one for him, and so our our listeners can kind of hear uh, some some music, and it's also a newer track that he's produced, and um, it it's we'll just go right into it. Yeah. So um, I don't. I I would I would like you to play a track that you want to play too, but. Usually it's it's one of us and then the the guests. So if you do have a track off your phone or whatever, we can yeah, play that. I gotta think about well, that. One 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 of yours would be great, just so I can talk to you about your process and everything. But the track, oh, I don't know which one I want to play. Um, actually, I do. I do know which one I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play a joint off of Homeboy Sandman. Should I do Should I do the Homeboy Sandman solo joint or should I do the one with Aesop? Solo. 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 You know, Aesop Rock is one of my favorite MCs. I've been rocking with him since since We don't we don't talk about Homeboy Sandman enough on here. Ah, that's true. All right, so let me find it. Uh, all right, the track the track that I'm gonna play is called One Two Three yep, I knew by it. Homeboy Sandman. I knew it. And um <laughs> man, I, I, I love this track. Uh, it speaks to my b-boy sensibility when I hear it. It makes me want to get up and dance. But it also the the rhyme scheme that Homeboy Sandman does with his refrain and the you, if our listeners don't know, Homeboy one Sandman of the, is tremendously one of, talented, oh man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tremendously talented. And and I'm so what we do is we play the track and we kind of lower it down and we talk over it and, and things like that. So this is called One Two Three, produced by the iconic DJ Spinner, Homeboy Sandman on the vocals. I got sound coming in. Oh, hold on, let me run that back because it starts off like. There we go. This is the first track off of which album? Hallways. When I first heard it, I was like, yo, this is so dope. Who is this? Who produced this? Spinner. Should have known. Man, I'm pretty sure this came out when I was still living up in Tochigi, man. I had like a good three-year run where Home Man, uh, Homeboy Sandman released an album every year. And like that was just like a soundtrack for like that season. I mean, right now, this is just getting me. It makes me want to go outside on a sunny day and just... Yeah. My daughter also loves this joint. Oh, oh really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's only two and a half, but she got good taste. Nice. <laughs> it's genetic. How did you uh, How did you hook up with uh, Sandy? Through I met him through Susio Smash. Um, he was running High Water Music at the time, and that's the label that I released um, Sonic Smash on. So I was basically a High Water artist briefly, and so was he. So he kind of introduced me to some of these younger cats, Fresh Daily, uh, Picasso, that were brewing. In the mid 2000s, um, and me and Sandman just clicked. And, you know, we always talked about doing a full length. It just hasn't, Please hasn't, do it just that. hasn't that happened. Amazing. Do that. But I've talked about doing a full length with a lot of people that hasn't happened. <laughs> sure. I mean, I'm sure a lot of cats want to rock with you, man. And you're a legend. I mean, Homeboy Sandman's probably closer to my age than than yours, oh, I yeah, imagine. Yeah. So yeah, he's he's got to be in his like mid to late 30s as well. Yeah. So. He he remembers. He remembers that Fonda Lamera, that raucous era. 
So, so when you're working with an artist, Homeboy or Eminem, I guess it varies artist to artist, but do you present them with things you already have done, or do you tailor something I, towards You know, I've, I think I've done my best work tailoring. You know, back in the days, I mean, it's a lot different now because we have, you know, people, out of convenience, we send files to each other, but the best records... In, in history have always been made one, two, in the three, studio one, two, three, from scratch um, and some of my best work like visualized by Mr. Complex for example like he no. came to the lab and I played the record and chopped it up in front of him and constructed the beat in front of him always. from beginning to end and you know that's how great records were made a lot of times these days because of you know time and convenience you know I would I may not be able to make the beat while they're present but I'll, I can make a beat for the artists with them in mind knowing how they rock and say this is, this is for you occasionally I'll just send you know some, some beats to people that I have sitting around but I try to tell them it as much as possible because I think that's always that, oh, the end result is always like, just better chemistry yeah, I mean, uh, I think I think Premier only likes to work with artists like in the studio or like he, right? he makes he won't be like here's a beat I made check it out he'd be like what do you want and makes like, he won't mad yeah, he won't know. he won't mad live it yeah yeah mad live is like you know here's the beat tape and whatever it is on the beat tape that's how you're gonna get it yeah I heard he takes it to like even another level like he'll give you like a two track and be yeah like, that's it absolutely that's yeah. the beat you know you can't mix it you can't <laughs> it is what it is shout out to Madlib one of probably the most criminally underrated producer you really think he's currently. underrated I don't know if he's criminally underrated I don't think that anybody in the mainstream really knows him like that and I think that because of that he's underrated that's bugged out but mainstream artists artists have worked with him you know, yeah. I mean Erica Badu Anderson Badu like he's so he's just definitely not on that level of recognition name recognition like Premier no not, not even Dilla but I think that I think that really he kind of is re-inspired Dilla to a degree. Oh, definitely. After they did the J-Lib, the Champion Sound joint, it seemed to me like Dilla got away from the synthy sounds that he was doing for the time being, and then started re-looping and making things strange. And the like, the beats were the drums were not quantized. Can we have a, like Can that. we have a, a mini Dilla conversation right now? But, Absolutely. Oh, please. Yeah? Bust. Okay. We love to talk. So, so you know, Dilla is criminally was criminally underrecognized at one point. And he, out of frustration, didn't want to tour. He really wanted to just stay home and make beats. You know, after he passed, we saw the body of work. Like, we're still finding and hearing about all these, oh, wow, all these beats that, you know, we, it's like, where did they come from? When did he even have time to make this if he was so sick? But there was a point in time where people weren't checking for him. Yeah, and that point in time was when the industry changed. You know? And if he didn't have the backings of like the Commons and the, and the Tips and the Roots, D'Angelo, D'Angelo, he would have been like me. He would have been just another dope ass producer that made dope ass records that people probably just wouldn't really give the props to, you know, until it's too late. But he he, he impacted. 
the way he should have because he made great records with great artists in a short span of time. You know, Slum Village. If he just, if it was just Slum Village and he didn't do records with all these other great artists, you know, he would have just been. That's just how things are. Period. That uh, that Joni Mitchell joint, the the, the Janet Jackson, yeah. Got Till It's Gone. I mean, he's not credited for that, but I think I've heard Q-Tip say he made that beat. Or maybe he said that he made that beat. And to me, that's just like... Yeah, the Uma. The Uma shit. I mean, it's so crazy. And I remember when Dilla died, like, out the woodwork, all the homies was like, yo, Dilla's the best. And I was like, yo, I don't remember you ever... Checking. Checking. Like, I was playing Thelonious, and you were just like, word. And I was like, Thelonious? Like, yo, man. But him him and, and, and Madlib... God. Those yeah. guys are Those are my brothers like, Dilla inspired me In life you know, He knew that I, we, I think we inspired each other him, you know I mean? like, We had conversations about records And samples And we would try to Kind of one up each other And play the guessing game And you know, all that stuff And I think um, Well for me anyway I studied him Like Anytime anything came out with his name on it, I bought several copies of it. He was the Jimi Hendrix of I ever. He was that. That's a great comparison. He was that experimental, that, you know, adventurous, that progressive in thought and different, you know, and changed. He he did, to me, he did what Pete Rock did and Molly Ma did for, for hip hop. He just changed the sound. And, yeah. You know, a lot of people jumped on the bandwagon. And that's when he started chopping up dirty breaks again because people compromised what he, what he yeah, created he's like, sonically. Let me, let, me, let me really go ahead and put some magic into this so people can't take that bass line from players. Right. You know what I mean? Well, like, I think it's hard for producers to, like, get a hold and the the mass at large is mind anyway like even popular producers like uh, a few years ago DJ Mustard was like the hottest producer in the game and you know the style changed and now it's whoever is producing I don't even know who the hot producer yeah, is right now I have no idea but like uh like there's a cat out of Atlanta called Lex Luger who pretty much invented the like stereotypical trap sound that we know like hi hats yeah. or whatever like working with Waka Flocka and Gucci Mane and like no one knows who Lex Luger is anymore. Oh really? Is he that I don't think so, man. Nobody's really checking for him like that anymore. Like a lot of his proteges or people that came up under him, like eight oh eight mafia, like they're still doing things and kind of are well known. But even them, they're not like you couldn't walk up to a random person on the street and be like, yo, do you like this producer? Unless it's like the hot producer right. now. And they'd be like, oh. Mike Will made yeah. it. Or, yeah, exactly. You, you know, know, Mike Will made it. I don't know if a lot of people know who he is anymore. Producers are, I, I think I think with today's climate, producers are actually really getting the short end of the stick. Like, Definitely. with them not being credited for tracks that come out on SoundCloud, which are, are being monetized, and Spotify and other streaming services that are being monetized, the metadata doesn't have them getting credit. They don't get paid for it. And it's one thing that a lot of artists have been doing is taking things, not releasing an album, but releasing a monetized mixtape and then getting the money off of that while leaving the producers out in the air. And uh, I think I think the state of the state of pr production in hip hop right now is is like really strange. People will blow up off of they go they make a song and they'll call it like a uh, like a Kendrick Lamar type beat these type beats that are on YouTube now, it's like everybody's emulating a style and then just trying to put it and then some guy will 
take it and use it in a rap and it's it's a really strange place for production uh, i i noticed like is jig masters coming out with something new we're still working we actually had a, an album slated for like two years ago um on bbe and it has to be revamped and you know updated a little bit but we still have some music in the in the pot you know what how, I'm saying? how much of how much of your time is is well actually before i ask this question do you have a weather report track that you want to talk about a song that you want to play wow i do but it's not in my uh you could probably put, it might be on youtube um right, let me another another artist that i've been working with over the years is oxygen you know we, we formed uh, a group called Spox PhD S P O X, which is oh, Spox. yeah, which is Spinner and Oxygen put together. Oh, S P O S P O X. Yeah, Spox. brilliant. And brilliance is the record we put out a, a forty-five about four years ago. Five hundred copies sold it out, and okay, I, be I believe yeah. this is a collectible joint. All right, late. Let me uh, let me go ahead and run this one in. Uh, also, for the listeners, after I played one, two, three, I also played Vertigo, which is another track that uh, DJ Spinner produced off of Lice One with uh, Aesop Rock and Homeboy Sandman. So I'll put both of those tracks at the end of the podcast so you can check them out in their full glory. So do that. And also put this at the end of the podcast so you can check it out in its full glory. So here we go. Oh, is this a live performance, though? Yeah, that's the not, that's, that's okay. not the one. Um, that's it. Oh, this is it? Yeah, that's All it. All right. Let me see if I can turn this up. It got Sadat X on it? Sadat X is on the B side. Okay. With, with Diamond D and Curious George. Oh, Curious. Wow. Can we get it turned up a little bit? Look, not a producer. Man, that. Such lush production, man. Even even back in the day in the nineties, were you were you producing out of a bedroom or were you going to the studio and throwing it on the All ADAD? This stuff like, was done at the Thingamajig guy, which is my crib. The Thingamajig. Yeah, I like that. Crib. I like that name. I thought I had a dope studio name, but the Thingamajig. That's dope. Yeah, I mean, cause uh, your production. I'm sorry, I'm listening. So melodic, man. It's fucking really great. Um, but uh, a lot of your production sounded really lush and clean compared to a lot of artists who were independent back in the day, especially on the West Coast. We were using four tracks and shit like that. Right. You know, it sounds really tape deck dusty, you know. But your your production sounded really lush. And it's also uh, melodic in a way that I think a lot of other East Coast producers weren't. It's like sample loop, drum break. Right. But you had movements. It sounded like you're using live instrumentation as well. Or Sometimes. sampling other instrumentation layering yes. that over yeah lots of layers man it's really so tell me about this track spox phd brilliance yeah so me and ox who was another artist that i met through sucio um he had a group called sputnik brown sputnik brown was on they introed my sonic smash album um with a track called the elements and he was kind of the leader of that crew then they disbanded and I thought he was so incredible that, you know, we should form another side group. And this was the first single. We put out a 45 and blew it out. We put out two. The other one was called Chicken Scratch after this. And on the B side of this record, uh, we did a track called Four Times Raw. And I got Sadat, Diamond D, and Curious as guest MCs on that show. So we have an album in the pot as well. You know what I mean? Like, so you still producing a lot of hip hop joints and working on hip hop joints? Yeah, like not that? as not as much as I'd like to. Um, 
because unfortunately, you know, as I as I mentioned earlier, like just the scene, the support system is not there. You know what I mean? I can't really benefit from it financially. I do it out of love now. You know what I mean? I Word. do it because it's still in me, and I always feel like I got something to prove with the beats. You know, um, let people know I'm still here because I know I got a Word. lot of. I have a lot of hip hop fans that, you know, I always assume miss me or think that I'm not doing it anymore. So I, I shoot things out. Every once in a while, I'll let you know. Hey, uh, I was I was surprised <laughs> to see that um, when one two three came out on the homeboy Sandman shit, I was like, "Who is this?" And I was like, "Yo, DJ Spinner's still I'm still killing. Here. I'm still here. because." And I guess this brings me into the the next part of the podcast where we can talk about uh, the conversation uh, about your experiences here. Now, I kind of lost track of you throughout most of the 2000s. Like, I, I I mean, probably after one of the polyrhythmatics joints or something like that, I lost track of you. And I would see your name pop up, but it was always in association with, like, uh, dance music or house music or you actually DJing, not doing uh, hip-hop production. And you were working with a, a plethora of artists and doing, a, like, a ton of shows, but I lost track of you during those years. Now... The reason this brings me to you, the conversation point of the podcast is like you've been coming to Japan for like every year for like the last 20 years just doing not not Jigmaster shows, not here's my beat tape type of shows, but you are playing music for these people, man. Like how did your relationship with Japan become so entrenched? You are a beloved DJ out here. I, I was going through some YouTube videos today. And I saw numerous posts like, yo, I don't know why people think he's underrated in the States. In Japan, DJ Spinner is legendary. Like, they love you out here, man. I, I think Japan is my biggest fan base in the world. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, I honestly do believe that, man. Next to, next, next, to, next to Europe and England, I think, um, and Paris, you know, certain spots in Europe. Japan is special. Uh, you know, I, 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 to sum it up, I feel like Japanese, Japanese people get it. Like, they just understand what the importance of music really is. You know, I, when I first came here, just going to Tower Records in 1997, when I first came here, and seeing the selection and seeing, like, Japanese companies and what they choose to reissue, they take pride and care in how they present artists. And it's across the board. It's not just, obviously not just hip hop. It's and this has been going on for for like decades from jazz era. Like jazz artists have to come here to be to get the the reverence that they really deserve. The Blue Note venue here is like a real Blue Note compared to like New York City. You walk in and you feel like this prestige. And sidebar, I'm the first DJ to ever play at the Blue Note. Oh, wow. Yo. Sidebar. <laughs> Imaginary applause drop. <laughs> Phenomenal. And you deserve it, too. Shit. Right. So I, what year was that? That was oh, early, two, like 2003 That's who she's over here thinking, four, too. Something like that. 2005. No, I still had locks. I still had dreads locks in my hair so that's I how i remember you by the way yeah i cut my hair in yeah. 2005 so this had to be like 2003 or 4 some, somewhere around there but anyway Word. um when i play for japanese audiences i feel love that's the best way to describe it you know i feel like 
they people get it they understand it they, they're not afraid to get, show you their gratitude and because they respect and love music so much it's a, it's a 360 degree full circle um, you know force of energy that I'm giving back like I can express myself in, Through the music. musically and play everything you know, I've done my longest DJ set in my entire life was here in Japan. I, I did a, once did like a 13 hour set. Whoa. What? Yeah, I started from Whoa. like nine, and, I, and, and Koma Komaguchi confirmed it. Um, That's my, like some Guinness shit. Yeah, I mean, but uh, quite a few people have done that yeah. though. I'm not the only one. You know what I'm saying? Like people, the 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 level of DJ aesthetics that I come from is really not just a hip-hop thing it's really about entertaining and playing music across the board um long sets these two hour one hour one hour marathon sets that's like you know that's like walking the park to me it's too easy right if you can stand on your feet and play music that long for a crowd that doesn't go anywhere and they're like giving keep the it party up to going you, keep the party going I mean, there's not too many places in the world where you can do that. Do you remember where where that was? I want to say that was Club Yellow. That was Club Yellow. Oh, oh Kensuke was telling us about Club Yellow on his episode of the podcast. I didn't know about it. Well, I've only been in Japan. No, it's Precious Hall in Sapporo. Precious Hall. But I okay. have done I have done close to that length at at, at Yellow as well. Seventeen hours. Seventeen hours DJ with the uh, Polish at uh, Liquid. Oh yeah, Liquid Room. Oh, yeah, me and Theo Paris shared the, shared the decks for seven, 17 hours. Seventeen. You you took a nap. He didn't take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Wow, man. Yeah, I know one of the biggest pushing points for Terry to get you out here, or I don't I don't know the details exactly, but like he wanted you, or you really wanted to do two sets or like a long set, so. When we're recording this, Speakeasy is happening today, Tonight. so we're gonna get two sets from DJ Yo, Spinner. We're very fortunate. To I, have that I'm happen. sorry. Let me go ahead and uh, I'm 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 falling off here. I'm messing up a little bit. I was a little bit too excited to have DJ Spinner on a podcast, but today is Late's birthday as we record this. Ah, so I want to give a happy, happy birthday, birthday to my brother. man Late. Happy birthday, my, my, my co-host Cheers, man, my partner in crime, my platonic life partner in hip hop. We're fucking killing it, man. Like uh, so so happy birthday to to Late, man. Word. So, um, uh, again, w with with more of your your cultural um, experiences here in Tokyo, uh, how, when you first came out here, I imagine you were digging in the early two thousand and in in the late nineties. This place was still kind of not as touched as much by touring DJs. J Rock right. didn't come out here and take all the damn records and shit like that, and Peanut Butter Wolf ain't come out here and take all the records. You were out here taking all the damn records. I was one of them. What is? Do you have? Do you have like a, like a uh, a, a most cherished record that you found here in Japan, oh, or or oh. the most expensive joint that you found here in Japan? Quite a few, quite a can, few. Can you give me one or two? Um, uh, Milton Wright, friends and lovers. I got th that on my first trip here in '97. That that record now is probably like I don't know four or five hundred bucks. Wow. What do you find in the dollar bin? Um, no, I found it at there was a store called uh, DMR Records, Dance Music Records, um, near Tokyo Hands, which is now HMV. That's what okay. HMV mm. used to be. Word. Um, and Dallinger's record is going to be out in HMV next month. <laughs> His record is being pressed up and released next month. 
Shameless, Shout out to Dallinger. Shameless plug, right? Hey, that's our guy. I gotta, I gotta hook him up. <laughs> and and you know, now that I think of it, the person who ran DMR was the person that brought us Jigmasters out for the first time. Um, Hiroshi. Yeah. So Shout yeah, that's one Hiroshi. of them. Um, man, it's, I can't even think right now. Like, this, I, I mean, I'm still buying a lot of records. Yeah. <laughs> I went you still digging find, today. You still dig every time. Yeah, oh, absolutely. you went digging today. Yep. Word. Absolutely. Yep. I picked up. up this uh, this Brazilian album by Erasmus Carlo that I've been looking for. What what um, are the spots now, or are you, you trying to keep that on the road? <laughs> I mean, you <laughs> Go know, to Manhattan gener- Records. generally Disc Union, you know, HMV is incredible. Um, for CDs and reissues, Tower is still crazy. Um, Face Records is dope. Um, but, you know, it's not just Tokyo. I You know, I move around a lot. Jet, sure. Oh, Jet Records. Jets, Jet Jet Set, yeah. Jet Set Records? Yeah, it's dope. I've heard of them as well. Where is that? Is that here in Tokyo? Shimokitazawa. Shimokitazawa, yeah. Okay. Word. Kyoto? Word. We got to get this guy mic'd up, too. I'd like to hear about Yasushi's experience. So, yeah, yeah, I'm going to give you a little like, brief history about this dude. Yasushi lived in New York. I met him in New York about yeah, mid-90s, mid right? Um, He's more New York than me. This guy. <laughs> He's been That's crazy in every crack and crevice of the New York culture, you know, nightlife. Say what's up, the people, the people, the hey, people that up? he's connected with and and bonded with and done business for and puts money in people's pocket and and he's a former digger. He used to buy he's ahead. Re- he's a, he used to buy records all over the United States and ship them to Japan. Not only the States, I'm uh, moved, um, I'm digging the records to uh, 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 Netherlands, England, um, Belgium, and where else? Dominican Republic. You went to Dominican Damn. Republic to buy <laughs> records? Hell yeah. <laughs> Yo, shout Hell out yeah. to Yasushi, man. <laughs> yeah, this is for the culture, for the they culture. Got a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff. I've never heard street. of anybody going to the DR for it. Me neither. Like first dollars. Wow. Yeah, he's wow. bananas, man. Can, uh, Canada. Um, you DJ as well, Yasushi? Um, I tried. Anybody <laughs> <laughs> uh, can do it now, man. <laughs> I tried, but um, it's kind of difficult for me. He, he but, used to um, do the record shows in New York in the early 90s. Words, yeah, man. Me, um, actually, I have Mento, the guy. His name is Sang Woo. He, um, Who's uh, his, his name? Sang Woo. He's a Korean Sao. guy. He's Korean. He's from Korea, Seoul. And um, he moved to New York for school. And, um, but, but he actually started from collector but his collection is crazy incredible word so um me and him um tried to buy the record at the free, the record shows but you know the record show is like all the dealers buying each other before open the show uh. so we look at it like damn what's oh we need Let's get the table. So then we started to get the table and it started to sell some record that uh, we don't want to sell to Japan or Korea. Then we started to get in all the records before the show start. So that's how we just like started to think of how we can get more records or something obscure records or something, the records that people never heard before. So that's what like we had been doing all the 90s. Wow. Yeah, she's a real head, man. Damn, and, um, I didn't recognize Yeah, yeah the, like like a free market in New York was cheap. The records is like 
12 and 5 is a dollar. The album is two bucks. And hey. James Brown, Parliament Funkadelic, some popular stuff, five bucks. So, um, you know, like the record is cheap. Yeah, anyway, yeah. he's seen, he's seen. <laughs> he, he's, he's crazy. I, I need, yo, we're going to get Yasushi back on the podcast, <laughs> man. Sure. I, yeah. I want to talk to this man about Japanese he, culture. And he has I mean? just a lot of history, period. I mean, yeah. he's shaked, he's done dealings with everyone from just ice to q-tip to erica badu to like he br- you know shout he, out to just ice you brought, name I I you brought just ice out here <laughs> yeah yeah wow, wow. his show was crazy. crazy man yo yeah i mean one of the things about our podcast dj spin is like we really are just trying to champion hip-hop culture the cast who come through tokyo live in tokyo and who are doing it last week we had erica badu's hat maker on here just you know he got a shop here in tokyo cool cat for the culture and and that's what we try to rock with so nice. today having a, a prestigious artist like you on is is a really uh, tremendous uh pleasure for us man it, it it really is an honor for us to have you on here i think late do you have any more questions i've got like maybe one or two uh questions for dj spinner before uh, we I get out remembered here. We, we usually ask everybody this but uh, i want to make sure we don't miss it who's your favorite member of the wu-tang clan Ooh, whoa! Um, the only wrong answer is if you say somebody that's not in the Wu Tang Clan. <laughs> Everybody else can get props. You know what I mean? Um, it's between Ghost and Jizza. I think Ghost might be in the lead. It's either Old Dirty Bass or yeah. Ghost that's in it's the either lead. Either Ghost, uh, I would say Old Dirty or Method. Oh, really? Yeah. All right. I tell you what, that lead single that jumped off their last album, Method bodied that verse. Method, Method, what's the name of that track? The one with Redman on it? Yes. Yeah. Method's verse on that. The joint produced by Mathematics. As like uh, his pick for last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget Um, the name of that joint. I forget the name of it, but Method Man, you know, he's going to kill, he's going to kill it every time. He's on a bit of a resurgence, I feel I like. I like that last album. The Mathematics production really brought back kind of a 90s vibe yeah, aesthetic to like it that classic, I feel like RZA had been dropping the ball on a little bit. Shout out to Mr. The RZA. Right. I, I do have another you question about DJing. Like, we, we talked a little bit. Mega said anybody can DJ nowadays. How do you feel about the culture of DJing, not just in hip-hop oh, or house question. or dance, just like as a whole like DJs and upcoming DJs and I think I, I don't think enough DJs or people who call themselves DJs uh, really understand what a DJ DJ's role is and what it's supposed to be you know I think technology is a crutch and you know if we didn't have it most of the people that call themselves DJs wouldn't be DJing because um, technology just makes it too easy uh, and I'm not just talking about the fact that you're playing with gadgets or whatever. I'm talking about literally how you how music you use that as your tool to manipulate crowds, and you're not just quick mixing and cutting. It's like it goes beyond all the technicalities. You know, I come from the era of kind of both, like the dance scene and the journey, and the hip hop scene and quick mixing and you know hyping up the crowd with a verse and a hook next record you know flying through joints you could do both but when it comes to like if you want to be in the game for a long time you really have to understand what crowd control is about timing there's so many things that go into it that makes a dj's role very d- dynamic and everlasting um you know the do whole you, 
EDM thing, you know, it's... I was just about to ask you, are you, are you, like, do you run in those circles? Do you know those DJs? Like, uh, Avicii passed away recently. I don't really, I don't run in, in the EDM circle at all. Um, I'm aware... You mostly play, like, world music and black music, yeah? I play, I won't say world music and black music, because I, I can do... I think that's like a thing I picked up in Japan, black music, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> the same shit my dad plays. You mean, so I don't you know, mean no. music? Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, music is music to me, you know what I'm saying? Yes, of course there's origins, of course there's soul and funk and there is something called that's what I mean black, it. but you know, I'll, I will drop a rock record on your ass easily, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm not afraid to take it there. I'll drop something from Talking Heads in my set. You know, I'll play, I could play a David Bowie. I'll play some jazz in my sets, you know. And I think that's one of the reasons why people respect me here. Because, you know, if, if you're a real music lover and you come in with DJ Spin a show and, you know, it's not just a hip hop show, you know you're going to get that journey. You're going to get something, you know, out of this right. out of this world. Something you've never heard before, yeah. you know. I mean, thanks to great DJs, I heard I was hearing like Eugene McDaniels and things that I never heard before uh, growing up in my house. My dad didn't have no Eugene McDaniels tapes, but like Cherry Stones and Outlaw, like I mean, those are like classic hip hop joints that, thanks to quality DJs, I heard. I think, I think nowadays, like you said, it is kind of a crutch for a lot of people. They think they have good taste in music, so they just play music without learning the the musicality of DJing, timing, and reading the crowd. So uh, I'm really excited. This is going to be my first time checking you out perform tonight. And so uh, I'm really excited to uh, to see you DJing. Thank you. Now, um, I guess we can get into the tail end. I've got two more questions late. Do you have anything else? No, do your thing. All right. Um, first, I wanted to know if uh, if there's an artist that you haven't worked with that you would like to work with. Where's the Doom collab, man? Man, the, he's on my bucket list. Yeah? Um, I'd love to see that happen one day. Bring him to Japan <laughs> for <laughs> us all. Yeah, he's definitely he's definitely up there. Um, You've done music with Stevie Wonder before? I've done remixes for Stevie Wonder. Actually, um, I did a track last year for um, this Miles Davis, Robert Glasper album. And... I got Stevie to do harmonica on this track, so you can so you can kind of say I had an official Stevie Wonder know, collab. Stevie Wonder release, collab, yeah. you know, that's dope. Uh, so, uh, an artist, an artist that you would want to work with nowadays? Um, you know, Anderson Park is bananas to me. Mm. Yeah, he's he's on my he's on the top of my list right West now. Coast Hellfire Club. Yeah, I, I like Joey Bad too. I was going to ask you about Joey Badass, man. Yeah, like Actually, okay. to piggyback off of you, uh, are there any artists that are reaching out to you, like newer artists? Like, I imagine Joey Badass would match really well with, like, your Absolutely. Aesthetic. Actually, I didn't even think about that connection, but you know, a I pro met, era collab yeah. would be crazy. Yeah, I met Joey Bad in the airport um, some years back. He probably would not remember this, and I told him I'd like to work with him one day, but I don't really think he, because he's way younger than me, and I don't really think he knew who I was, but his the my brother DJ Nasty, who produces for him, and he runs, he's basically the A&R for the whole pro era crew. He is an old high school friend of mine. Like we, I've known this guy since for 30 years. 
and he's like, yo, whenever you're ready, come sit down with me and play me some stuff and we'll we'll get it popping. So that's just a matter of time. It could it can happen. <laughs> now, uh, personally, I would love to see you making more beats, man. I would love to hear more music from you. I would love to hear some more crim. Uh, you know, criminal. I would love to hear more Jigmas's work from you. Do you have anything coming out? Anything new planned? I think the next thing, hip hop wise, to look at. Well, first of all, I've been dropping some instrumental records on on Redef that you might wanna, you know, check for. They're yeah, on, they're on my Bandcamp page, and it's, they're currently out on vinyl at the moment. Um, volume one, Unpicked Treats, and then Unpicked Treats two is coming soon. Um, Jigmasters, we're trying to wrap this record up this year and the Spock's PhD. But the next thing, the immediate thing is uh, L the Sensei and Sadat X did a collabo record, a whole album. And I got a track. If you go to my Instagram, you'll see uh, a snippet of this track. Uh, I got a track on the album, basically. Hey, yeah. I have to check that out, man. L the Sensei, I would love to. Yo, man, I, I got to say. Anytime that I can link up with somebody that wants to talk about the the 90s independent era of hip-hop music and that era of the culture that was making hip-hop, not necessarily to get rich, but also not opposed to getting rich off of hip-hop, Castle were making it for the love of the culture and love of the art. I'd love to sit down with them. And today, uh, DJ Spinner, it's been such a tremendous honor to just hear some of your stories and uh, I hope next time that you come to Japan, maybe we can sit down and do it all over again. Talk about something different, man, because I am kind of like, I feel like I smoked a little bit of a branch, man. I'm feeling kind of high <laughs> off of this situation. I'm feeling really good. Feeling really good about the whole situation, man. And and uh, it, it's been it's been a high honor. My last question for you has to do with your work with Spike Lee. And uh, and I see you're wearing, is that a do the right thing? Or is it do the uh, it's, it's fight close. the power? It's, it's ah, not it's... quite. It's not an official Forty Acres shirt, but it's an inspired one from okay. uh, Do the Right Thing. Um, how did yeah. you hook up with? You guys do the Michael Jackson event, right? Yes, yeah, so uh, we do the Michael, and that's how we BK for M MJ for BK for MJ. BK loves MJ. BK loves yeah, so MJ. after Michael's passing, um, Spike was looking for a DJ to do these events with, and I was recommended to him through a few people, one of them being Q-Tip, um, as the guy that should do these parties, because I had been already doing the Soul Slam parties, the Michael Prince parties for a long time. Um, so we've been rocking ever since, and I kind of became his go-to DJs for all his events. Um, Wrap-up parties from films and, um, and what have you. So he actually just reached out to me uh, like a week ago to go to Cannes Film Festival uh, for Black Klansman, which is his next film. To, I'm to waiting do a, to see to that. Do a party. I'm super hyped yeah, to see that. To do a party with him. So I'm hoping that comes to fruition. Putting it in the, in the universe, hoping it comes through. I hope so too, man. That's <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, That's man. That's a true story, right? Black Klansman is a true story? Isn't he doing that with like Jordan Peele? I haven't sure. heard anything about I'm, this. I'm not sure. I think, it's a true, I think it's a true story, though, based yeah. on a true story. Okay, yeah, I haven't heard much about it in terms of, like, the backstory. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. For sure. Dope, man. But Spike is dope, man. You know, obviously, he's a he's a hero. He's a legend. He's some someone that I've looked up to coming, coming out of Brooklyn. Um, we didn't have any luminary filmmakers during the late 80s, 90s to really put Brooklyn the borough on the map and the you know impact 
the world the way he did, so especially with Do the Right Thing. That was like so a much big about deal. what like my a, a lot of my ideas about New York in the '90s, since I wasn't there in the '90s, um, are informed by Spike Lee and like. Uh, I don't know, mob deep and shit. You know what I mean? Right. Like, but Spike Lee, like my idea of Brooklyn, I think of do the right Absolutely. thing. I think of Crooklyn. I think of, I we think had, of, um, I think of everything in New York. Uh, Spike Lee, is rapper so. Sky Zoo, in the yeah. studio recently. That's the homie. He's another one that's reached out to me. Yeah, you know, that would work also be yeah, an amazing yeah. collaboration. Yeah, his album this year is crazy too. It's another one of my top and, fives. This and year. the one before it, yeah, yeah, the one before it was Shout ridiculous. Out to Sky. Yeah, Yo, it's yes, in Tether. celebration yeah, of us. Yeah, yeah. That shit. This new shit is. But uh, so uh, Sky Zoo was also singing praises of uh, Spike Lee, obviously. Yes. Oh, that's like yeah. his hero and shit. So. Word, I guess we'll go into the calendar, man. I, I, uh, do you have anything you want to say? Do you want to talk some shit? DJ Spinner, <laughs> who do you not like? Tell me what's wrong with the world. Anything like that? Anything you want to say like before we get out of here? Some, are we forgetting something? We are forgetting the, the angel and the devil on the shoulder question that we usually ask. Let's bust that. All right. So, uh, hypothetical, the, the angel and the devil on your shoulder. Anybody in hip-hop or... Should I say hip hop culture? Hip hop DJs. Anybody anybody yeah. in hip hop culture. If you had to have a hypothetical angel and a devil on your shoulder. This see, this is a weird question for a guy like Spinner because like he can't just say Q tip because Q tip's like his homie and shit, you know? Well, I mean you gotta Any- break down what it means. Okay, yeah. Tell us tell us who you would put on your shoulder. Well no, like angel the angel, obviously that's pretty easy, right? But the devil's not like a bad person. Right. He's just maybe like the person's like He'll punch uh, you in the face. Hit the snooze button. Yeah. Or you know, something like He's that. He's like, Yeah, yeah. Take the last slice of pizza. Yeah. Angel and the devil. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. We wow. like to present these difficult questions. I stopped asking dumb shit like how much can Tupac bench press <laughs> and shit like that. But you know, like that's yeah. a good one. You should bring that back. Man, I almost want to say yay is the devil right now. Oh, big time. Yeah. I almost yeah. want to say it, man. Um, yeah. He's just. He's, Self, he's self-imploding himself, man. He's wilding. And he thinks he's on the right track. And his fa- his, it, the people around him think that he's mentally healthy and all that, too. And I, I'm inclined to agree. I just think that he's kind of ignorant he needs to, to what he's talking about. He needs to mute himself. For real. He needs like, therapy. Yeah, he needs He needs help. therapy. The brother needs help. But the, the angel... Don't say Nas. Nah, I'm not gonna say Nas. Nas is fucking up too, but shit. I'm not gonna say Nas, man. You know, people are humans, man. You know, no one's perfect. Yeah. People, you know, James Brown was not perfect. He was beating, no, no. beating up women too. So, you know, Bill Cosby just went down, oh, man. Hard. All of my heroes, man. Don't have no heroes, you know I mean? man. Don't have no heroes. Hey, man, I still rock with Malcolm X all day, Geronimo. Rainbow Crow. You know, yeah. I'm going to put Stevie as my angel. I'll, I'll, put, I'll put him as my That's angel. It's a good answer. Strong answer. And shout out to Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder is old as hell, still dropping off these not <laughs> these. Yeah, he's still dropping off. <laughs> he got kids, man. He got kids younger than me. He like got his, nine kids, and he told bro. me he wants. He told me he wants a tenth. Shout out to really? Stevie Wonder, still getting this, <laughs> getting but his not, rocks off. But you know, funny enough, he's not as old as people think. He's just been around for a long time. That's right. They were calling him Little Stevie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Little Stevie. Yeah, he's he's only sixty-seven. He'll be sixty-seven. This oh, time. is that? I it? had adult students older yeah. than him. Man, my parents are only like seven years younger than Stevie Wonder. My See mom that. is seventy years old, seventy-one years. Shout out to my mom's birthday tomorrow. She turned seventy-one Ooh. years old tomorrow. Shout out, Shout out to, to mom. Mega's mom, Miss yeah. Mega. Nice. Yo, Filipino. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> 
I went to the Philippines. Yeah? You eat balut? Caught some... Re- yeah, I did. Ah, that's and I, disgusting. And I caught some... Wait, what is that? It's the it's the uh, the egg the the fertilized egg. It's got the bird. It's got the, the the chicken in it. It's almost developed, but it's not. Nope. You didn't eat that. <laughs> I was gonna say, man. Yo, yo, my my dad my dad won't touch that. He's, I did he's not a, eat my that. dad is a regular old black dude. He will not touch that shit either. And I have never tried it either myself. Nah, sorry. I just feel like nah. Not not that. But I did find some good records out there. Word. Shout yeah. out to the Philippines. Yeah. Shout out to Issa Rae for saying that Filipinos are like the blacks of Asia. I've been encountered with this my whole life, and it's it never struck me as odd because being I'm half black, half Filipino, I just was like, that makes sense, you know. But apparently, it was offensive to some people online. So word. Oh, uh, can we do some quick like word association? Oh, please. Okay. Like uh, yo, we're like, not gonna do the we're not gonna do the calendar. I'll do the calendar in post production. Yeah, let's get the, get the last five minutes. Yo, so like uh, like if I said uh, big. You could say like Notorious Big or yeah. Big Papa or you know a I'm L Big, big L I'm big in Any- Japan like yeah. wh- whatever you feel anything okay so uh, let's start big E J Z DJ College <laughs> <laughs> word you, word you smart word, you loyal word. little John Mister Sinister. Tokyo. Japan. New. Old. Galactic. So. Hey. <laughs> you got any? Oh yeah, sure. I mean, uh, can I just say some some titles and see your thoughts on it? Yeah. Um, how about uh, the arsonist? Legends. J treads. Homie. Geology. My brother. Sean J. Period. Underrated. Eminem. Trash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, overrated. Washed up. Washed Ooh. up. Appropriate. Uh, company flow. Um. Oh, I'm interested in this because LP kind of went on to be. He's notable now. Yeah. I don't know how he was interacting with people in the community back then. He was respected in the underground. You know, um, when I think of Company Flow, I think of Fat Beats, man. Fat Beats, th- their foundation was laid on on that group. Word. I bought my first Cold Flow record at Fat Beats. Raucous. Trash. No. Nah, I'm not gonna <laughs> say trash. They they did their thing when they were around. They they definitely had Hella a, twelve they had inches. A, they had a hold on the on the mark on the. They cornered the market. Um, Raucous, underground. Mm. In the beginning. <laughs> uh, the 90s Powerful The 2000s Weak The 2010s Getting better I agree with all of that Yo, DJ Spinner, thank you so much for joining us, man It's Absolutely. been a tremendous honor I've said that like 10 times <laughs> on a podcast, but I'm still geeking out We're going to see him perform tonight at Speakeasy Shout out to Brooklyn Terry, DJ Sarasa oh, I'll just some do boombox. one calendar thing uh, Sunday, if you're listening to this on Friday Sunday the... Six at Casa de Sarasa. Actually, the whole weekend she's doing a one-year anniversary. So Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I'll be she's there. gonna have DJs there. Delicious, authentic Mexican food. Uh, there are different DJs every day. The last day, Sunday, Speakeasy Crew is gonna be there. So I'll also be playing. I'll be there Sunday as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So y'all roll through Casa DJ de Sarasa in Shibuya. 
And yeah, that's Yo, it. Shout out. I, I don't know if I mentioned it, but but uh, DJ Kensuke oh. is also in the building. Shout out to DJ Kensuke. Yeah, shout sushi. out to DJ Kensuke. Kensuke is our guy. Probably the best DJ in Tokyo. Our families have met. I feel like we've built a bond. It's a wonderful time to be alive. Your seeds marry his seeds. That's how we keep Wu Tang money all up in the family. <laughs> word, word. Uh, Mega Late Show, episode hope, 30. Oh, sorry, sorry. Shit. One more show. Uh, June 3rd, going down at Circus Tokyo and Beats. That's going to be Kojo, DJ Kyo, Phonics, Lick, Bomber, uh, Fitz Ambrose, and Submerse, Devin Morrison, KTR, Matarabi, Cavs, Six on that? Sense, Yagi. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Okay, I'm getting shit, there. Shit, shit. FKD. All right. All that shit's unimportant. But our homie Dallinger is going to be Dallinger. playing. D Yo, Dallinger, yes. D Dallinger's album is coming out on Cold Busted Records in June, and we're going to have him on a podcast talking about that. Shout out to him. I'm going to get that little 12-inch vinyl joint. It's wonderful. I've listened to the album several times, and it's a great, chill record to listen to. We're going to learn more about that soon. So shout out to Dallinger. He's also playing on the 13th of May at... Day after my birthday. At Sofa. Shout Sofa. out to the Taurus. When's your birthday, DJ Spinner? January 30th. Was that like a Capricorn? Aquarian. Aquarius. Oh. Oh, shit. They got the lights flashing. Mega Late Show, episode 32. We're here with the illustrious, iconic, legendary DJ Spinner. Thank you so much for rocking with us, DJ Spinner. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you.
dig a lot. Even got Klansmen and Bama like, damn, that nigga's hot. Get on my Chris Rock like, that's right, I said it. Made a move to New York twice like Andy Pettit. Your neck wanna snap, then let it. I got these poetics from my dad through the laws of genetics. Said it, the blood type O to XY coordinates. I supply the Illmatic for the insubordinates. I'm one fifth of the air, the other four parts connecting right angles like the sides of a square. Now marinate on this fact a little bit. Why does the devil wanna keep us all illiterate? Went from knowledge of self to knowledge of wealth. If the brain's dead, you may as well abolish yourself. Let's take it back to the essence. I shine like a iron and my glow is incandescent. Set the bar high like you just ain't supposed to drink here. Just my flow dumbing out. Can I get a shrink here? Index finger to my dome like thick hair. Eradicate your whole verse with a mere ink smear. Think clear before engaging in small talk with dudes who confuse Baltic Ave with boardwalk. Just divine scientific like electrons. Everybody's style's been dumbed down except John's. <laughs> Yo, word is bond, I was royally slept on Spinner was the only cat who gave me a call back I reached out to one, he was like, nigga, fall back But I ain't mad though, it just made me realize If you went down with a click, but nice, you could still rise I go on and on and on And if I don't hear the beat in the back, stop, I'm going in Big ups to you and gang and all the heads keeping it thorough Reppin' that seventh borough check OX connects predicates and subjects, son I'm banging hits and I ain't even begun yet Done, done, done <laughs> yo, 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 Spinner, can you bring that beat back? And nine four to say that I was off the meat rack. Guess it's up the oxygen to bring that heat back. Give me that plate of food, you ain't gonna eat that. A bulk of y'all should control or delete that. Before you go, just remember your scene. Ox the architect it out with a gangster lean. Now that's brilliant. Uh, now that's brilliant. Shit, now that's brilliant. Test asses to ashes, catch the eye on it. What more can I say? Top ramen. 
point in keeping points or playing different games. I revel in my solitaire without a care. Smiling and nodding when I'm not aware. I'm waving off a belt where I'm parading, operating on myself. Playing the game with chance to top your candle where the cameras never peek. Come around and take a gander at the gambler on the streak. Any contact with a contract, I was signing off for crayon. Will anybody please accept me as I am?